Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 65. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my artistic, complex, and fascinating guest co-host, <laughs> Torin Atkinson. Welcome I am very Torin. complex. Hello again. <laughs> Do you think anybody uh, just listens to specific minutes as opposed to not starting at the first minute? We uh, we've talked about that in earlier uh, earlier podcasts. I'm I really doubt it. <laughs> maybe if you, maybe you get like a super so if you get if you get if you get um, uh, Jeff Bridges on, they'll probably just listen to the Jeff Bridges episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Or Steven Lisberger's like, oh, minute fifty eight. Yeah, that was a big minute. Okay, let's see if they did a, a minute on that one or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, let's see. So what happens in this minute? Let's see. Tron and Yori take a dangerous slide into the inner sanctum of the io tower and we get to meet the crotchety dumont (laughs) the grid version of dr walter gibbs from way back at the start of the film now this is the first time we're seeing this character the very first time we're seeing and he is a cyber barnacle he is a cyber barnacle (laughs) exactly that is what he is yeah a hundred percent yeah i love i love that we don't really know what he is, and then he spins around, and he's got his little phallic hat on yeah. that's slightly lopsided. Yeah. <laughs> he's, and he's definitely his, like, he's like, yeah, okay. And his like, little, his little flipper hands. <laughs> he's got his little, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so Yori Yori hops up on the ledge of the window and says, "I'll go first again, taking point." Uh, she's less of a leader in this world than in the other world, but at least some vestiges still exist and the recognizer's pulsing tone is super loud now they're on the verge of being discovered and just before she leaps tron grabs her passionately staring into her eyes mm. and it's just like tron now is not the time mm-hmm. you know like this is uh alan alan we when we're talking about alan in the real world he's a bit of a jerk mm. and um He's very, he's very jealous. He's very possessive. He's very dismissive of uh, of her sort of like triumphs, you know. And it's all about him. Right. And then in this world, uh, Tron's a a wonderful warrior and very talented at what he does. But yeah. he's also like moments like this where he's like, I just have to look into your eyes one more time. It's like <laughs> yeah. the recognizer is right there. <laughs> it's right there. We're we have to do stuff. But maybe he thinks that she might about to be about to jump to her death. So I guess it I guess it makes sense. But and she doesn't care. She touches his face wistfully, turns back to the leap, and starts to brace herself. Right. And you can see here. This is something that you can really see is that her costume is actually pretty devoid of ornamentation, aside from the collar, the helmet, the belt, and the arms. Right. And most everything else is just plain leotard. Yeah. As compared to Tron, who has circuitry lines everywhere. And I wonder if that's a nod to Yori being a simpler program in this world or if I'm just reading too much into it. You're probably it was probably a decision like we have to show her body. She's got a great body. Maybe let's yeah. not cover up all the curves. Yeah, for sure. I remember she said uh when she first saw the costume, mm-hmm. she was like excuse me? And uh <laughs> and then she went immediately home and like looked at herself in the mirror and was right. like <laughs> okay i have to eat like nothing for the yeah. next eight months yeah. you know just to like keep this but also uh all the guys were like oh this this costume's so tight and revealing right i, I oh i'm <laughs> complaining and she's like uh, put on mine <laughs> this is my entire career 
yeah. you know, this movie, my last movie, the movie before that, right. you know, like she was a, a show car model. Oh, and she, but she was a sound. Her dad was a sound designer, and she became. A, she wanted to become a sound designer. Oh, that's interesting. You know, she turned out very attractive, so she said, oh, "I can make some money right. doing this." Did right she end now. up doing any sound design? I think uh, she went back to it after uh, after her career kind of petered out. Right, I think she ended up doing some more of that. Because I feel like Tron would be like a master class in sound design. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. I, I wonder if she had a lot of amazing conversations with the sound design people. Yeah, that's interesting. Once they realized that she's like, oh, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You, you know, like, yeah, sure. This is a 228 hertz modulated, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, square sine wave, you know, so, oh, I understand, you know. So, yeah, because she's like, but it's also like, I wonder, like Tron's got a degree of autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, with a wide-reaching variety of goals possible, so I can see him being more complex. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe they didn't put that much. When you go, it's one of the sort of side effects of going into a movie in this kind of right, kind picking of it apart. Like, yeah, is, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> oh, nothing. Yeah, if I've learned anything from being in the art industry so long, yeah. it's that um, most art critics are ascribing meaning where there is none. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and half the time the artists uh you know the artist's meaning is like, well, let's see what they say about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've made this piece of art. I'd be interested in to hear what yeah. the, what the interpretations of other people are. Yeah, uh, uh, a long time ago in one of the other minutes there was a uh as a clip of the director of Shazam talking about how a lot of people talks about how critics will do that mm-hmm. be like you know well this this and this is symbolic of this yeah. this and this yeah. and because this happens in the end of the movie you can see they're really setting it up here and he's like well sure yeah. <laughs> you know like this actor wasn't available yes so yeah we had to shoot around that right with the result that mm-hmm. i suppose you could say that Absolutely. was foreshadowing you mm-hmm. know like so <laughs> yeah. sometimes there'll be you know, that director had real insight and the director's like, I sure I had no insight. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was that that was not part of the insight that I had. But her helmet really looks like a like a swim cap here. I right. can really see like everybody else because I think Tron has the he's got the, the ear flaps kind of thing. Right. Yeah. The things know, coming down. She's just got a full on cap. I thought it would be kind of cool if um you could see some programs with those long sort of teardrop shaped Cycling helmets, bike helmets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, like I'd, some more variations in helmet would have mm-hmm. been, uh, been pretty. Would have been pretty cool. I mean, we get we get monks in robes, and a few people have hair, but but yeah, that would have been that would have been cool. I don't know. So, Yori leaps into space, just jumps off again with weird. There's no there's no real musical sting. Right, she just like chum. yeah. It's a very the whole this whole section is a very quiet. It's like because uh, in an, in the earlier minute where Flynn knocks out a program and takes over his color to mm-hmm. blend in, right? Like he just murders a program and right. accidentally sucks the, the the juice into himself right. and, and then becomes red. Uh, there's no music during that scene either. So there's a this whole this whole section is kind of oddly bereft of music, right? So, but she climatically jumps off into uh, into space. And you just hear this jangly ambient synth in the background in the base of the recognizer. And this is where we get to, we get to see Bruce Boxleitner's bread and butter here because it's a close-up of his face looking down. And we get some real blue steel here from Tron. As he's, uh, <laughs> you know, 
as he's looking down at Yuri Fall. You hear this loud clattering and scraping as Yuri makes contact with whatever ground there is after the leap. And uh, you see, like Bruce Boxlaner, he appears very affable and kind when he smiles. He's got this great smile, but he's got a true steely hero's ga- uh, glare, you know, like a real gaze. And I've, uh, I get it. He, you know, he started in a lot of daytime TV westerns at the beginning right. of his career. And okay. this is this is Sheriff Dan, yep. you know. <laughs> Having his moment. They're there. That's the hideout. You know, like he's 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 got a great face. He's got a really great face. And we get a shot of Yori sliding down the wall here. And I guess it was just a big slide on the set. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. She it ap- it appears like she's sliding. It would make sense. I mean, I wonder if she was just on her back, waving her arms and legs. And then they just did they just <laughs> tilted it yeah. and moved her and scaled it down. I don't know, because there's, there's a pop just at the end of her slide where they, they tried to, it looks like they tried to stitch a little more mm. distance on Oh, okay. Like, I didn't catch that. Yeah, about two-thirds of the way down the slide, there's a, like, there's a, there's a, there's a pop where she just her arms kind of jank around. And it's close, mm. but it's not perfect. And uh, I think they just were like, oh, we need another... You know, right, twenty. Frames. She looks like she's sliding down a yeah. kitty slide. Yeah, right. so, <laughs> we we need, so we need more. Yeah, so. Yeah. And then the sound of the recognizer grows super loud, and Tron looks back over his shoulder. It's close, and the recognizer hovers up into view. Its searchlight blazing, and I'm not entirely sure how this searchlight works in a couple of ways, both practically and and in in the world of Tron, because it's coming from the cockpit of the recognizer. Mm-hmm. But the head of the recognizer isn't moving. Right. Well, so it seems like it's just like kind of like a searchlight thing. Like you would like you would see in a cop car kind of a thing. That's yeah. what I assumed. Yeah, that's what I assumed, right? But it seems to be taking up the entirety of the window of the cockpit mm. as it's coming out of. Yeah. So if you were if you were in the cockpit, I'm like, how does this right. are you blinded? How does this work? Because <laughs> we've seen the cockpit from from when Jeff Bridges was piloting one right. earlier. So yes. I don't know how how it would quite how it would quite work. And I don't. I, I I I've been done a lot of research into 1982's computers, but I'm not sure if they had the capability to make a searchlight like this, like a uh, going like a like a light going through fog yeah. with like a scatter on it and a fall off, or if they might they might have been able to do it with like a you know a fade on either side of just a white shape, like. But it, and it's really smooth. Mm-hmm. But I know that there was so many hand animated effects in the film yeah. from from you know Disney animators that have been doing electricity and whatever for like yeah. the last thirty years, yeah. you know. Whatever. So so I, I wonder if this is all a hand animated effect, which would be possible. It just they just have to be really, really yeah. It's basically like in these scenes, it's just like a ray that yeah. is moving around, like a, a cone. Um, my question is, do we ever see? the light shine on anything like does it actually enter does it does it function like a light like does it shine on anything and we see shadows behind the thing that's shining on that would be the place to check it like i think we see it hit the cables Mm. and it 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 sees it sees tron in this minute for half a second but that's like we're looking through the window at tron and the lights in the background yeah and the lights up so yeah so i yeah i don't know but yeah, because I, all I remember from watching it was like, okay, well, this is obviously 
an animated. This is not a real shaft of light. No. Yeah. So, I'd and, be, but yeah, I mean, in all that, whenever they catch a disc, the glow that's on them from the disc, it's all hand animated. Mm-hmm. They didn't attach a light to the disc or anything like right. that. Yeah, like it was all like so like I, they did with lightsabers in the early. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. So anyway, Tron is poised to leap out of the window. He sits on the ledge, looking back towards the recognizer, and goes to leap just as the beam sweeps across him. So there's a good chance that he was absolutely spotted. Yeah. I figured like, that that was that was the connection I made with when the guards showed up. Like the guards showed up because the recognizer caught that. Like, oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. Although again, it would have been clearer if an alarm had gone off or something, or like yeah. a boop, boop. <laughs> or the light <laughs> just turns red or it stops. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. Like, there he is. But now it's his turn to slide down the slide. And it's like you were saying, he hits the bottom and his feet clip something, sending him into like a forward shoulder roll somersault. Yeah. I assumed that he was doing that on purpose for like style. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. could have been. Hit the lights. <laughs> now. You know, just like a safety first, you know. But I can't be comfortable with the identity disc on his back. I think somersaults are a, yeah. little, uh, mm. a, little, a little hazardous. When yeah, you I hadn't considered that. Giant disc on his back, and I don't really know. It feels unnecessary because the ground is obviously smooth, just a completely smooth. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it doesn't look. Like we'll a, have to do some tests. Well, you and me, we'll do some slide <laughs> tests. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not like because there's not like it's not like a park slide where the slide ends right. and then there's the ground. It's yeah. like a it's like a curve. So maybe there's like a palladium out there or something we can can do a series of tests and see what the most comfortable way to end your slide is the world's giant the world's largest bowl or something (laughs) like that that's right go check that out yeah or a skate yeah skate park we can go into yeah yeah uh, there you go some skate park and uh do some slide tests the um one thing is they, they really sort of dress this up like they're taking their lives into their own hands sliding down this wall I never got a sense of danger from it. Not from the wall itself, but from their reactions. Yeah. They're like, you know, in case you don't make it, Yori, I have to look at you one more <laughs> That's time. That's right, yes. You know, and then he's like, I don't know if yeah. I can do this. And then it's like the recognizer sees him. So he's like, okay, I guess I have to. And I'm like, it just looks like kind of a fun yeah, exactly. little slide. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, you guys are kind of, I kind of, I kind of wish. I mean, if would. I was there, I'm sure I would be trepidatious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that this is the easy for me to say. Yeah. I am not at the top of a 20 meter yeah. slide. Because so. you might be able not to judge. You might not be able to judge exactly what the curvature at the bottom is. Yeah. What the gradient or yeah. what the, the stop is. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Turns out it's fine. I'm an armchair, <laughs> armchair slider here. But, yeah. So, I could, it would have been neat to maybe see some spikes or some, uh, yeah, well, something. some patches of, of electricity. Right. I, I don't know. An something, extra sense of danger. Electrodes poking out. I don't know. Something like that. But uh, Tron rushes to Yori after standing, asking her if she's all right. And she says, yeah, let's do that some more. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. It is fun. Add a girl, Yori. That's, that's really good. I like that very much. And then Tron turns back saying, I think the guards saw me. Like, Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did, Tron. You're not espionage is not Tron's no, strong not really. suit. That's what I'm getting from this whole this whole sequence. And then he turns forward and says, come on, literally dragging Yori off screen. Yes, like, I noticed that. Grabs her wrist and is like, yoink. And I don't know. He's he's a bit of a bull in a china shop sometimes, you know, getting seen by the guards and dragging Yori around. <laughs> like, this is her idea. This is her plan. Mm-hmm. It's like, there he is. Let's go. It's <laughs> yeah. like, mm, okay. <laughs> Suddenly you're in charge of this. Uh, all right. 
But then we get to see Dumont. Yes. Here we go. There he is. There he is. Some bold design, uh, one might say. It's a giant headpiece at the top of the stepped cylinder pyramid is a wide tapering cone with some thick cables sprouting out of it. Sort of a huge thick collar up near the top and a capsule nestled on the tip of it. It spins around and we see that it is Dumont. His hands poke out of the bottom of the cone from huge compartments, and the lozenge-shaped capsule of the top is actually the tip of his ludicrous helmet. Mm-hmm. I remember when I saw this in the theater, and I remember my dad laughing his head off sure. at this at this reveal. <laughs> yes. He was just like, ah! <laughs> I, I thought it was cool, but yeah. he was like laughing. I'm like, oh, I guess, okay, yeah, I guess it's pretty, pretty silly. The beard is like really, yeah. it stands out. It really stands out. And this is why... Because they did early tests with hair. Mm-hmm. They tried to give Tron and Yori like future hair. Like, oh, I like, see. Like computer hair. Right. You know, like angular, gelled up brush cuts or, yeah. or feathered hair or something. And mm-hmm. it was like hard pass, you know. Right. Nope. So that's why everybody ended up with They should have just put those Lego helmet hair <laughs> clip-on things. Like, <laughs> That'd be really good. I wonder if they have bike helmets like that. Oh, I'm like, sure they do. Lego must. hair bike helmets, that would be... I don't know if that's the shape wouldn't work or whatever, but yeah, they should have had something like that. But uh, let's see here. So, and I remember my dad laughing because as Dumont spins around, yeah, he comes to kind of a rough, yeah, just like a jerky. He like <laughs> stops and then goes a little bit more. He's yeah. like, urge, oh, 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 there you go. <laughs> they didn't get it quite right. <laughs> like, but can, again, this is the rough part of town. Hey, you know, not everything's right. working correctly. It used to work great. <laughs> yeah, it used to be great, but now things are creaky. Yeah, but you can you can just almost see the stagehands underneath. Like, yeah. oh, a bit more. A bit it's more. like when the doors on Star Trek don't open properly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you know. So Dumont, that is, that strikes me as a very not Tron kind of a name. Like Dumont is just like the name of some guy. Yeah. Well, we go we go into that quite a bit in uh, in the next. Uh, oh, is that? What's that? Oh yeah, right. We go that into minute. Yeah, minute sixty six. I go. We do a pretty big. Uh, okay. A pretty big bit on uh, cool on the name Dumont. So. All right. We'll get in there. But this is Dumont, and it is Dr. Walter Gibbs. Yes. As played by Bernard Hughes, mm-hmm. sans glasses. And like you said, his salt and pepper beard looks a little weird in this world. And yeah. it would have been cool to have it done. Well, kind of like you were saying, like uh, like the Lego or also like Max Headroom's hair. His hair, yeah. Right? Like he had a yeah, solid, like it's plasticky solid block of hair that's yeah. kind of sculpted to look like hair. That yeah. would have been kind of a neat Something prosthetic to make it low poly, like a low yeah. poly beard, without going, I don't know, full creepy. Like those, Dur- remember those old Duracell commercials where they had the robot people? I do not. Yeah, they had like robot people and they would like wind down. Okay. Were, like, but their skin was like shiny. Right. And their eyes were like too blue. Oh. And their chins and their hair was all like that kind of thing and they they were nightmarish they looked really, right they looked really scary these cool. artificial people but they were high design sure and uh so but you want to avoid that kind of because it's kind of hard to go uncanny valley with these guys because they're actually they're films yeah. of actual people yeah but the beard does does kind of yoink you out for sure you know so but i could see like for practical reasons like the actor doesn't want to shave his beard off yeah. to have a prosthetic added to because then maybe they like? have to do reshoots or something or he has his other movie coming up where he's like, he needs his beard and stuff he like that. He acted in a lot of films. Yeah. Right. And uh, 
it's one of my headcanon things that we were talking about earlier that he gets fired from Encom and moves to Santa Clara and then his granddaughter and her two sons move in with him uh-huh. and then there's vampires and that's the that's the lost boys <laughs> right <know>? gotcha <laughs> but he's uh I can see that aesthetically and practically when it comes to move, removing backgrounds around characters, hair was a problem. Yes. But I think a beard, a tightly manicured yeah. beard probably isn't that much of yeah, a problem. Yeah, especially when you're in the cyber barnacle. Yeah, the cyber <laughs> barnacle. That's, that's what it is forever now. I think that's just a perfect name for it. So Tron and Yori go to step up the dais, but the first step glows red and Dumont says, halt! With a nice synth stab. Yeah. And I I guess the dais has defenses. I was trying to figure that out because he doesn't like, he's not pushed back. He just steps off. He's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and Yori says a little, a little petulantly, Dumont. Like, <laughs> like Dumont. Like, come on. And then we, we really see that Dumont is, in fact, a crabby, crotchety yes. old man. He says, like, I can't stand all this commotion. What do you want? Back in my day, Back in my things day, were orderly. Bits cost a nickel. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like. And Tron replies, uh, I've come to communicate with my user. And Dumont says, oh, a difficult proposition. A difficult proposition at best. And I love Bernard Hughes' delivery here, like, He's got such a great voice, especially when he talks quickly and rambly. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that, well, we'll have to go down to the refrigerator and see what this is about. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you talking right. about? Yeah. Well, it's going to be quite a commotion. I don't know if he can do that. You know, like, this yeah. town used to mean something. Like he's got that kind of, yep. you know, he's got that really good. And as soon as he speaks, you're like, oh, Bernard Hughes. That's the. Right. I mean, it probably comes out of the the the, the, the earlier 30s or whatever you know yeah it's very like yeah it seems like you know he's 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 a bartender and a western kind of kind of an attitude yeah or you know he's the he's the old guy at the bank yeah (laughs) he'll tell her yeah um well this check won't clear or like or (laughs) what has he got in uh because he was also in sister act Mm. all right and classic like uh well we should you know whoopi goldberg with these we, we should teach these kids how to play you know, soccer and volleyball and Bernard Hughes would be like, well, we don't have the balls for that. <laughs> you, know, you know, like classic, classic lines like that, you know. Nice. Oh, there he is. <laughs> and I remember when the whole cast was talking about Bernard Hughes, uh, they would call him Barney. Oh, yeah. Well, Barney was great. Barney was very professional. Mm. I, I find it very, uh, very hard to see him as a Barney, but <laughs> yeah, but it might also, you know, yeah. I don't know. He seems very affable. This, it makes me think about like, I remember, um, and I still kind of feel this way. Like, I feel like almost a lot, and it's not a detriment, but it's just like the characters in the Tron world have a lot of personality. Like this one yeah. in particular. Yeah. Like, and it all, and it, and it feels to me like there almost should be more of a disconnect between the real world and the Tron world. I don't know how to do that and make it interesting. Yeah. In terms of acting. Yeah. But obviously, there were choices made. To just be, just, you know, just act like you, this is your character and yeah. and you're not really a program. Because the programs in, they're not programs, right? They're people. Yeah. And so you have to, those are the rules. This and is, so you have to work all around that. leftover stuff because in the, in the movie as it stands, programs, the, what we see in the computer world is like a metaphor yes. for a program. Yeah. Because we know they're not sentient beings, but they do have a job to do. So it's kind of like, what if they were people? Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, like yeah. a, a dream take on yeah. what it might be. But in the original conceptual mm-hmm. stuff, 
it was almost like an alternate earth where we had created AIs to do our bidding. Right. So they were actual personalities right. running around inside yeah. the computer. It wasn't like a, just a, a banking spreadsheet from Colorado, like Crom in the, in the beginning of the movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was an actual AI that was hired by a bank to do a job. So that was a, that's different. Mm-hmm. You know, and they just kind of discarded that idea, but they kept programs with personalities. Yeah. So there's like, a, and also with the, the original comedic take, Yes, and then they, they yeah, shot. that would be even more of yeah. like, like so, for me, like a weird kind of disconnect. Yeah, you know, it does. It doesn't. It just it grates on me just a little bit. Like I feel like if I was in charge of this movie, I would try to do something a little bit different. Yeah, but I don't know what that would be. Well, that's the thing, right? Because you can't have like in the beginning when Clue is in the tank, he's like. uh should we try to merge with this memory stream bit? Right. And bit's like, yes, no. And uh, I'm like, wow, yeah. a movie of that would get pretty tired. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So how yeah, do Yeah, you- like going the other way, like in my theoretical movie where they go the other way and everyone's more computer-like, I could see that being incredibly boring. Yeah. So right. You want them to have some pizzazz. Yeah. And like it's cool if Flynn has it. It all makes sense if Flynn has it. But if all the programs except Flynn mm-hmm. are like, mm, go over here, you know, you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, boy. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So I don't think it's a wrong choice. I just think it just – it was hard for me to wrap my mind around yeah. at the time. Sure. That's what makes it so unique, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It's so strange. Yeah. You know. So I was thinking from a design standpoint, this is something left over from the last minute, but the um, the colors in the walls of the of the hangar where the guards are, are guarding and also the colors in the dais here is like, like this is a real 80s, 80s shot. Like that, the hangar door is like a real 80s mm-hmm. shot. You can see to me it's a real 80s shot, but it's almost like it's got these vibrant colors of the 60s yep. and this really out there album design cover. Of sure. like the seventies, yeah, absolutely, and so it's kind of like the sixties and the seventies, uh, as seen by the eighties. Like mm-hmm. there's the echoes of this design work, even though it's groundbreaking, groundbreaking yeah. design work. I can sort of now that I'm taking it apart, I can see the influences from uh, from earlier days, and you can see it in this in this dais too. But this is also a pure Mobius here. This is if there was like a pure Mobius, yes, it's this guy's yes. design. Right. Absolutely. It is like, what am I looking at? (laughs) This is bizarre with his giant helmet and all this kind of all this kind of stuff. And I don't know. His body language seems to be insinuating that he's not too jazzed by the costume choice here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his body language, such as he is able to. (laughs) Yeah. His body. He's probably been in that. uh, Having worked on set before, he's probably been in that position for, you know, three hours before they got to his line. Yeah. (laughs) You you just hang tight, Barney. One step ahead of you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Now, when I saw, I remember when I saw Legacy, um, and I really wanted to have Michael Sheen in the dance club bring uh, – is it Michael Sheen? That actor's name, the guy who played Zeus in the, the club. I keep thinking it's – I don't. It was Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. And I think that actor's name is Michael Sheen. I don't I know. know. Okay. The guy with the cane? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Zeus, I guess. Is, and uh, so – but I wanted him to bring young Sam Flynn into the back room to meet Zeus. And we see it's someone like this. Mm. Some giant turtle. Yeah. Cybernetic barnacle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, rooted to it. Maybe even an old David Warner having seen right. the error of yes. his ways. Oh, or, yeah. That'd be you know, interesting. Repaired from his final battle yeah. and ousted by Clue living in hiding or – 
gaining the gateway power that Dumont had. I don't know, some sort of nod to this get up. I mean, it's like you said in the beginning, though. Some people see this helmet as quite phallic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems to have a, a design on it that almost has like a very, like a child's drawing of waves. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Which I guess yeah. would mean like. <laughs> I don't know, airwaves, I guess, or something like that. Like maybe that's like transmission waves or, or something. Mm. I would love, I mean, if Mobius was still Again, around, I feel like you're reading too much into I it. Guess I guess <laughs> like if Mobius was alive and I was It's like, probably like, we need something here. This space is too blank. Uh, how would I don't know. <laughs> okay. How's that? Well, sure. it looks great. It's like, so is that like uh, like a transmission wave? You know, Mobius would be like, right. sure, man. Yeah. yeah. It is whatever oh, you want totally. to be. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. You know? So this guy is, uh, what is his function? He's a, a gatekeeper. He's the guy that uh, runs the, the lets programs talk to their users. Right. So that's his. That's why they've come to him. And then you have to get past him. He's literally the gatekeeper. He's literally the gatekeeper. Literally the gatekeeper, right. yeah. Yeah, he is the gatekeeper. Okay. And there's no key masters in this uh, <laughs> intron that I'm aware of. Yeah. Although there should be now that I think about it. I'd love to see that. You know, I am the key master. Well, I'm literally the gatekeeper. You know, and I'm angry about stuff. <laughs> Stop all this commotion. There used to be lineups of you guys in here, but not anymore. You know, like he's got that. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more he has like a, yeah, see, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that, that kind of, that's where he's coming from. And then, uh, in the, but in the creator's commentary on the disc, they mentioned that this helmet was actually really heavy. I can see that. It's yeah. a really heavy helmet. And one of the effects supervisors took it home to redetail it one night and was like shocked. He was like, whoa, this is mm-hmm. a very heavy helmet. You know, but it was uh but Barnard Hughes was a was a trooper and he never complained about it. Right. He just was he's two a, vertebrae shorter after <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the end of the movie. <laughs> the beginning of Tron, I was five foot eight. Now I am five foot six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he should have complained, though. Like, I know he's a trooper, but that's... uh, I don't know. Like, he, I don't know. In this movie, I don't know how old he was in this movie. Mm-hmm. I imagine he was only, like, 50 or something like that. But uh, he, but he, it's hard to tell with him. Like, he's... Yeah. Like, it could be either way. Yeah, he's got that, you know, crotchety old guy aesthetic probably when he was, like, 27. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> one, of those, one of those guys, right? You know, but it really doesn't look like an uncomfortable costume. He's probably kneeling in there. Like, I don't know what his... Yeah, the, he's probably. Yeah, I. It's hard to say. Are, yeah, I mean, God, man, what if he got an itch on his nose or something? It looks like his hands are kind of locked in there. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it probably from a production standpoint, he's probably sitting on a chair, they and he they keep probably yeah. pull his hands in and out, and then when you need to do actually like they just lock it down or whatever for they I put the so. thing over top. I don't know. Who knows? Like one thing that I I remember reading about in the behind the scenes on the Dark Crystal was. Um, you can make a costume that people can take 45 minutes to get into, mm-hmm. but they need to be able to get out of it in under 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's one thing that like, it can be hard to get into, but you need to be able to get out of right. it like that. Yeah. Like if somebody's got some urgent bathroom needs yes. or something's going on, yeah. you don't have 30 minutes to yeah. take them out. So yeah, there was, yeah, he could probably slip his hands mm-hmm. out or, or whatever, I'm sure. In a close-up on his face, you can see that his collar is like really padded. Mm. It's very, very plush in there. So okay, so he's got. He probably just. It's probably like a travel pillow. He just winks <laughs> in between takes. He just like rests his, his head on his rests his, his collar the pillow. There has a little a little snooze with his big wobbly helmet. 
they should have like I don't know maybe locked that helmet into the costume because it really is yeah. balanced yeah balanced on his head. I can imagine them spending like several minutes before every take just oh no it's still lopsided <laughs> a little bit more. So but after he says uh, a difficult proposition. A difficult proposition at best. Tron looks back impatiently like, can you believe this guy? Like he's really like, <laughs> oh, jeez. You know, and then as Yori grabs his arms to try to soothe him, Dumont goes on saying, well, I could be D-Rez just for letting you in here. And then he gets wistful saying, they hate this tower. They'd close it down if they dared. And you can really feel Tron is like one second away from saying, oh, my God, who cares? Like yeah. He's just like... <laughs> I told you what I'm doing here. Yeah. Please oh, stop. You know, like, but uh, but that takes us down to the um, to the end of the end of minute sixty five. Is that most of what you what you know, Tim? Uh, yeah. I was just I wanted to mention. Um, they never made a Tron role playing game, did they? Oh my gosh! I wonder. I don't think they did. Yeah. Certainly, there were many video games. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I remember this. Um. When I was a young man, I was, uh, as I am today, very much into <laughs> role-playing games. Yeah. Um, and my, I had a friend. His name was Fred. Okay. And uh, we gamed together a lot. I was making my own uh, games around yeah. this time because I didn't have money for Dungeons & Dragons, so I just make my own. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, he, he ran a Tron game for me and my friends. Oh, no way. And it was completely diceless. So it was him basically narrating what was happening. We would okay. go into and it was it wasn't exactly Tron, but it was it was it was basically Tron. You would yeah. go into the world and you would fight in these different games, and so you'd have the High Ally game and the Deadly Disc game, and then he would start making up his own his own uh, contests and games That's that we fantastic. would run there. And it was you know you'd basically you were like gladiators in a. In a, yeah. in a in a Tron world, and it was it was super amazing. And then he he ended up becoming uh, it was it was weird because he was such a creative, interesting, had a great sense of humor. And then he joined the army and became a cop and moved away. And I never heard from him again. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that was interesting. But it was but it but it made me think like why isn't there a, like a Tron role playing game because it's such an interesting you know. Um, uh, franchise, uh, yeah. Well, even, it's even perfect these for days, that. yeah. Because you could, you could, you've got the games that exist, and you could make up other games, yeah. Right, like, yeah. That's one thing that, uh, yeah. Well, that just reminds me of a friend of mine who was a, a programmer for video games, and he quit that to become an EMT. Mm, yeah, know, like a, yeah. Like a res- ambulance response yeah. paramedic. I can guy. see someone like I've known friends who have like feel like I'm in this industry and I'm not really adding anything to the world. Like not, I feel it's, like it's I, not I, my bag. Yeah, I feel like I want to make a difference yeah. in term rather than just entertaining children. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which entertaining children is great, but making uh, kids happy. But you know, going out and saving lives and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, true, that's right, yeah, true. absolutely. So, and then I. Uh, I had a, a game I created growing up called Power Enterprise, which was a superhero role-playing game. Oh, I think I remember that. And I would, um, I also had my version of, you know, you would go into this other domain. One of the, my, my, um, my bandmate Warren, who I mentioned in the previous episode, was yeah. like the the he's the co-founder of the Darkest of the Hills. I think it's my band, and he helped me make uh, we together we made Spaceship Zero, the role playing game. Mm-hmm. But he had a character in my uh, Power Enterprise superhero game who was his favorite character is the Flash. Okay, so he made an analog of the Flash who was from the Tron dimension. Oh, okay, so he had you know he had the sports gear. 
and then the leotards with all the fancy, you know, um, digitized uh, circuitry yeah. lines all over, which I, you know, I'm an artist, so I would get very intricate in that. I draw <laughs> sure. all these characters and everything like that. And then as we as we developed the game, you know, we'd go into that dimension more and more often, and, and there'd be, you know, you'd have the evil guards who I called Denzerics, and they were yeah. like all these different... And then, yeah, and, and in this dimension, it wasn't just the cyber world. It was like another dimension where they would pull... Um, characters from all sorts of different worlds. So you have aliens that had, sure. be, that had come into the Tron world and ah! been turned into these gladiators and it. stuff like that. I love and, it. Yeah, so it was, it was very cool. All right. Yeah, well, that's cool. Making aliens into the uh, into the actual. I I had a. Oh yeah. Well, that reminds me of like when this movie came out, or later on in high school, because this movie came out when I was uh, twelve or eleven, and I saw it and it blew my mind. And then I remember in high school later i would imagine uh creating you know xenomorphs from the from the alien series just like you know bringing my hands out and materializing a couple of xenomorphs but they would materialize in the tron way with like a, a oh right a from pass, the ground up kind of thing they'd come up in a in a grid and then low poly detail and then real detail yeah be like that's cool. Fly my monkeys and they would uh, <laughs> go and attack whoever yeah. was giving me a hard time or whatever. I like that that idea. That's so interesting. But that takes us to the um, to the end of the uh, to the end of the minute, and the differences uh, between the oh, what else? Do you have anything else for this? Um, okay. Negative. Okay, negative. No, no. <laughs> in the the differences between the screenplay and the novel. In the novel, they climb up the cables to the window looking down into DeMont's chamber, and there's a barge of guards rising through the shafts. Oh. Looking for them in the cubby holes. It's not a recognizer. It's a, it's a barge with guards on it, uh, like a floating, just like a floating That's interesting. plane. Um, and they jump through the window, and the guards do see Tron, but it plays out mostly the same. And when they get to the bottom of the dais, a protective force field locks them out. Right. Right. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's what they intended to have for the final film, but yeah. they were just like, well, all we can do right now is light up this stair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like it would have made more sense if he'd like, you know, the old Star Trek next generation <laughs> or just, just for like, like yeah, a second. Something just comes up, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, and it also makes sense that he's the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's like why why doesn't like he would have that. You know, he would have that capability. Yeah. But I liked his uh the the description of him in the novel, he's like, he resembled a sphinx rendered in instrumented alien style, his circuitry aglow. The bulging headpiece which enclosed his face rose above him like a lofty mitre or the abdomen of some <laughs> giant insect. He had no visible limbs or torso. He merged directly with the squat control plod. And I'm like, yep, nailed it. So they must have, I wonder, like, so the squat, did this would this have come before the design? I feel like no, it would have yeah come the, after. This, as far as I know, the novel was written in conjunction with the film, right. but it was written from the screenplay. Yeah, the dialogue in the novel is like word for word, right? What comes out in the, okay. in the film, and then the screenplay was also written. Uh, like would would they have de- they probably wouldn't have described no the, that in the in the screenplay well in the screenplay he's he's uh he's described a little differently but definitely not in that detail right yeah so this really sounds like he 
well, he might have been working from a production sketch, mm-hmm. from like a concept sketch. Right. Okay. Because am- this is so Mobius, I imagine it didn't yeah. change much. That's what I feel. I get in that the, feeling in as the well. Execution, right? It looks like it's lifted straight from one of his comics. So, uh, and then when Tron says that he's come to communicate with his user, he has this cool thought where he thinks, "Well, it's it's odd." that he feels fear of saying that out loud, that it used to be a perfunctory explanation, but now it's a prohibited phrase. Which one? I've come to communicate with my right. user. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what everybody used to do. Yeah. Just, it's Tuesday. I'm going to go yeah. communicate with my user. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, you can't say that. And he also thinks that this chamber with all its grandeur and obvious proof of the user's, you know, he's mm-hmm. he, he marvels at how belief in the users has been squashed right. because this is like I go the, the, here. This is yeah. This is it. This is this is you know. Although it it, it does kind of sound like it, you know, it's shrinish, very shrinish. So yeah. I can imagine if you know, I can I can imagine the spin being put on it like this is just a religious thing. It's not yeah. a practical thing. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that's definitely what's... like the people who go to church to talk to God versus. The atheist who's like, this is a place where people go to, you know, gather and worship together. Yeah, right. And I think there's a very, uh, that analog is very true. And I think it's very, but it kind of, it breaks down um, because like they are, they're literally talking to their users. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Their users are like, hello, what would you like? (laughs) Go do this. It's not, yeah, you know, it's not interpretation. So that's, that's where it breaks down, but it's definitely spun that way for Mm -hmm. sure. And if nobody's going there anymore, the powers it can be, can say whatever they like. Right. And they're like, you know, did you hear a user? I sure did. Do you want food? (laughs) Yes. Did Did you you hear hear a user? user? (laughs) No, I'm not so sure. Can I have that sandwich, please? In the screenplay, it's a little different, and because after calmly catching an elevator to the I.O. tower room, they approach Dumont, and he's asleep. Right. Even better. Nice. He's asleep. <laughs> and Yori's like, Dumont? Like, she's trying to wake him up, and he opens his eyes and doesn't recognize either of them. Mm. And he's like, yes. And after Tron says that he's come to communicate with his user, he's like, oh, a, a difficult proposition. Yeah. But it's more like he's stating a fact, not putting up a fight. He's right. a tired, sleepy, broken program with memory oh, loss. Oh, interesting. He's not a fiery, bombastic old man. Yeah. You know, he's like a barely awake. Right. I don't know what's happening. Kind of person. Interesting. I'm glad they changed it. I like I like Barnard Hughes. For sure. As a, as a, <laughs> yeah. You'll get he's out a of here. Spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of this. If I wasn't a space barnacle, I'd come down there and give you a whooping. Yeah. If I was 800 cycles younger, I'd show you a thing or two. Like finally, someone to complain to, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that takes us. Uh, that takes us up to the end of this glorious minute. Hooray, Hooray for minute sixty-five! Hooray for minute sixty-five in the can. Um, I guess uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking dot com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologically speaking. Send us an email at tronologically speaking at gmail dot com, or join us on Facebook at the tronologically speaking minute by minute listeners page. Do you have any places that people like to reach you that you haven't mentioned already? Check out my podcast, Torrent's Guide to Everything. Mm-hmm. I'll just repeat that. That sounds awesome. And adventure.exe. Adventure.exe. Shout out to Pond5 for the awesome music. And uh, go over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is being dissected there. And if it isn't, consider doing it yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community, especially the Star Wars Minute that started it all. They could have said, this is ours, go away. But they said, come on in.
End of line. Yes. One, two, three. End End of of line. line.